to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to the Big Red Couch. This time on the couch, joining me is my steadfast co-host, Craig. Hi, Craig. How's it going? It's okay. Um, it is cold. I know that there is this cliche about the only thing that anybody talks about in England being the weather, but in this case, the weather is fucking freezing. Um, even the pigeons look unimpressed. Excellent. Unimpressed pigeon is my favorite flavor of ice cream. No, sorry. I have a head cold myself and it is stinking hot here. So that's the, this is going to be a, a tale of two um, suburbs at very least. And, and unimpressed pigeon kind of sounds like a 70s prog rock band, but that's just me. That's also my favorite flavor of ice cream. Unimpressed pigeon. Unimpressed pigeon. Excellent. Oh, and I'm Ben. Just in case I have got I had missed out saying that earlier, because I think I have. Um, Are you sure you you missed it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So we are off to a roaring start, and that seems appropriate for the seed, the adventure seed, the the our inspiration this time for Big Red Couch number one hundred and thirty four is Tempest Red Eye Flight, and that was suggested by Gulo T, I believe. Indeed, possibly though. Don't I'm not a hundred on this one. Possibly while we were recording an episode and I was in Inverness and the aforementioned Gulo T was sitting beside me on the couch and occasionally writing notes. I think that was one of them. Okay. Let's step in one of those heavy travel um, interludes in your in your uh, progress around this slowly melting globe. Yeah. I mean... Inverness was in no immediate danger of melting when I was there, certainly because the guest house that we were staying in only had the heating turned on for a couple of hours a day. Nice. That's very Scottish. I, I appreciate the authenticity. <laughs> it it was extremely Scottish. Also very cold. So cold. So, 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 so very cold. cold. Um, I was also referencing the uh, environmental debate in the lead up to the British election where two of the party leaders didn't show up and they were replaced by um, slowly melting ice sculptures of the globe. Yep. A, a, both a sick and a cold burn. <laughs> there. Indeed. Yes. I have seen the, um, the, these historical news sites uh, commenting that uh, the party who claimed to be the only party who could deliver Brexit are also the only party who have actually failed to do so. Continue to be the only party who failed to do so. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yes, we're coming up to yet another election uh, here uh, well, in the jolly old UK. Indeed. And based on our recording schedule, at least something terrible happens to the timeline and or the, um, you know, the social, social structure of the UK. Uh, that will have been decided by the time this episode drops. So good luck to you all. Yep. Good luck. Gonna need it. Um, I, I don't know what that will take. That form, what form that 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 amazing good fortune will take, honestly. But massive swing to the monster raving loony party. True. Yes. I mean, if we're going to have idiots running the asylum, they may as well be well-meaning idiots. Yeah. Oh, true. Lord Buckethead must still be running. 
as I understand it, Lord Buckethead sold the rights to the character to somebody, so is instead um, campaigning as something very slightly different along the lines of Captain Binface. This person is a genius. <laughs> oh yeah, they can they can just keep doing this. It's it's fantastic. And and our only hope for the future. All right, so good times. Good times. Good times. Yeah. All right, so. Do we have a game pitch or two for Tempest Red Eye Flight? I sort of have one. It will need a lot of help. I I have one that I think is pretty solid, and then I have one that is like half of an idea, technically but only very loosely based on Tempest Red Eye Flight. Right. So as Nishka from Firefly says, not so solid. And we also have like contributions of actual intellectual merit from John and Tess. Yay! So we're saving that for the end to force you, dear listener, to go through our appalling tirade of twaddle uh, in order to, as it were, get to the good stuff. It's not forcing someone. It's a reward for their patience and forbearance. We've talked about this. Come on. <laughs> oh, also, okay. Also, okay. They, they could just skip. I, I have gotten... Don't- Till them, <laughs> Ixnay on the Ipskay. Uh, anyone who has heard a Casper mattress advert six billion times knows how to skip on a podcast. Believe me, I, I stand to work. Uh, almost that is very specific. Autonom. Uh, it's almost a, a, an autonomic reaction with me now. <laughs> they started getting sneaky. They, they started like just cutting seamlessly into the even if they're interviewing somebody that they cut in a section they record spontaneously and i know this is how you know actual podcasts not not total you know this is effectively what we do is we we pretend to talk about role play games it's actually just a shorthand for um a pen pal um situation which is good it's more more or less yeah it it totally works for me but yeah they have to pay the bills somehow all these people are listening but to be fair we are publishing it you should all be ashamed of yourselves so yeah that 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 carries no weight but so who should go first uh i seem to still have my voice so maybe i should do that and then we can uh hear me slowly clattered to uh, to a halt later on makes sense all right, and and somewhat thematic with the UK's uh, political situation. To be fair, it's the entire it's the entire world. So it's... yeah, yeah, so, yeah, slowly and coughingly clattering to a halt. Uh, so anyway, please go ahead. <laughs> Both the the person the, the the person who suggested it and the name suggested a scenario to me that I r- will need to get your guidance on how you would actually gamify it to any extent. But here goes. Okay. I have faith in you and our, and our wonderful listeners. We can t- t- turn this sow's ear into maybe, well, let's 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 be ni- kinder to pigs in future and, and maybe get them some sort of fetching earring or other adornment. So we can t- we can turn a sow's ear ear into a nasty naga hide wallet sort of. That's what a naga is, or naga. <laughs> I think if it's a naga hide wallet, you're uh, you're you're. Well, that's even more ethically questionable. That is totally a goal for my the D and D game I play in. <laughs> I want to open a furniture store. It specializes in naga hide. Don't you mean? Oh no, you don't. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh my. <laughs> oh my. Um, 
Okay, Tempest, Red Eye, Flint. Basically, I want to set this in a Peter Greenaway film about, which is set on a stranded uh, transcontinental flight in the in the US, which has been grounded because of a storm. But for some baffling reason, people trapped in this plane are also the cast of The Tempest, and it has been played out in the style of Prospero's books slash um, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover, in such a manner that the if, if it was filmed, the set would be the entire length of the plane uh, on the starboard side bisected, so that you could have a long tracking shot at the entire length of the plane. Any close-ups, etc., would be inside a totally normal plane set. And just to be extravagant, the port side of the plane would be a different set. You could also do tracking shots along. And the idea would be each of the characters, like uh, Prospero and um, Caliban and so forth, are different. I think Caliban would be the co-pilot for some reason, who only appears occasionally to make trouble. Okay. And here I'm going, that's a completely ludicrous idea. How do we make a game out of that? Well, I will have to admit that I think the only Peter Greenaway film I've ever seen is Prospero's books. Fair enough. That's pretty good. That's pretty indicative. How mm. much do you feel that you understood what was going on? Reasonably. I mean, mm. I have I have since then seen produ- bleh, productions of The Tempest and sort of understood what was going on and was able to to kind of glance back to my memory of the film because I had never read or seen uh, The Tempest prior to that, so I was hitting it completely cold, which is my preferred way of seeing films anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so making making a game of that so that you have got The Tempest playing out in an aircraft presumably stuck on a runway somewhere mm, mm. or in a taxiway. Like it's not yeah. even connected to the terminal. It's, it's on a taxiway somewhere in a blizzard. Absolutely. Like the Island in the Tempest, absolutely cut off. Maybe even you know, not very many people, but they're like scattered through, through first class and so forth. And maybe it was like a, 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 a sparsely, a sparsely populated connecting flight in, in, in the wrong end of the holiday season. It'd be a Christmas movie slash game. Mm. And it's the red eye, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is me thinking out loud, but this is this, this thing screams con game mm. just because this is a situation where you need, you maybe don't need this sort of to go the full um, apocalypse engine or apocalypse world. We aim the characters at each other and pull the string and let go. And, there are other systems that do it as well. Just Apocalypse World was the one that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do need the characters to be pointed at each other mm. because that's what drives the plot. Um, Indeed, there's there's in fact a, if a a lap at a con with you know mm. sections and uh, with with the sections sort of blocked off in a hall and, and chairs arranged, that would be brilliant. Because yeah, you could. Because yeah, I mean, I would I would start it when the plane has touched down and the captain, who let's just call the narrator, we never actually see. Nice makes the announcement that we're stuck here, but people should feel free to stretch their legs and move around because that is how Prospero and 
his daughter, who are presumably up in first class, mm, absolutely meet the. Now I'm I'm going from hazy memory. There are these shipwrecked travellers who are presumably back in economy and were probably on standby or bumped from other flights to get onto this one. There'd be a myriad myriad of sort of of um, technical stuff and flight. Did you ever play the board game? I think it was it airline or airplane or something it was very very dryly technical things about the number of packs on a plane and diversions you were trying to make your 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 get your your little goal your little flight goal cards to fit together in operations management yeah pretty much pretty much no i have not played that though i have played a train station version of it was quite good this was very much you 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 um Picked up an event card and your entire plan fell apart because oh, yeah, nice. yeah, it was, it wasn't very. This was long before things were balanced. I think it was from the era of things like polyconomy and other wild feints at simulate uh, of making world real world situations into games, but not quite getting there. Which ironically, you know, it might be what I'm doing here. LARP would definitely work and would just be quite a fun way of of doing things. Having it play out the same way as The Tempest does is an interesting one. Would be almost impossible, I suspect, but you could start up with the starting situation and have it evolve from there, but have sort of Tempest-themed interruptions. Was there, is there a section where there are people are subjected to visions and so forth, or am I just remembering the Peter Greenway stuff too much that one i think might be uh midsummer night's dream i i don't know it has been so long since i saw it is it has uh, actually been i i thought i had a better grasp of this but it's been a long time since i've seen any summer shakespeare and so forth most of the folks who would would have the 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 cultural confidence to go let's just go and watch a play have have unfortunately moved out of arm's reach well i mean from memory the plot drivers are that you've got Prospero and his daughter, I think Prospero used to be the Duke of Milan, mm-hmm, yep. he's in exile. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the shipwreck travellers, you've got Caliban, who is the child of the she-witch, mm-hmm. and is kind of basically a, a, a creature held in some degree of bondage uh, under under Prospero's thumbs. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, possibly, he does the equivalent of breaking his wand. That, yeah, I'm trying to recall what the actual sort of central tension of that one is. It's a bit sorry that was, I should have possibly thought a bit further ahead, but I'm going to blame the um, the having a brain full of mucus on that. Uh, I think there is a um, a romance subplot going on in there. Mm, that makes sense. That's which it. is probably enough to to wrap a lap around, to be yeah. honest, because it's not going to come out the same way as the uh, as the book anyway. But you mm. basically got. So you've got Caliban, the the, the the co-pilot, who is in some way under the thumb of Prospero. You've got Prospero and his daughter who are on the run from something. They're in a very privileged position, but they are still on the run from or hiding from something. You've got these travellers. Some sort of scandal or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, more and more I'm liking the LARP idea, and um, partially that is because of the... Uh, many, many years ago, back at university, uh, the role-playing club there, uh, which was named America because somebody figured out an acronym that worked and allowed them to call themselves the President of America, 
Uh, yes, they would do uh, every year a you know, their own little little gaming convention uh, for for role playing purposes, and most of the games were kind of a, a weird mix of LARP and tabletop, which is kind of what this strikes me as for the um, just the notion of having a hall, or possibly depending on how you want to do it and the the setup of the convention center, you use a dead end hallway. You could, couldn't you? Yeah. Set, yeah, set up the curtains, set up the galleys, basically to some extent replicate a mostly empty plane and then let let the plot happen with a few drivers like um, Prospero's daughter sort of gets given a dossier of, okay, your goal by the end of this is to be married to the person who is playing this character. You, you need, I suspect need to put a, a few drivers in there just to make stuff happen. Oh, yeah, because it gives stuff... Stuff, people stuff to react to um, and spur that on. Occasional announcements from the captain. Um, you know, you could chuck some Bluetooth speakers out there and and, mm. and, and make that interesting. And the idea that um, if you set it further in the past, you could say have a single, like a single projected entertainment system. Like the way they used to have those fold down screens. You could put like B-roll kind of, was it the the Canadian Film Board? There's a, there's a uh, one of the Lodi Reading Run presenters does a uh, basically a pirate radio music thing on Twitch, and this plays random Canadian um, because Lodi Reading Run folks are are a Can- uh, Canadian thing, just weird shit from the, the archives of you know people uh, sedating and tagging bears and building cabins and other brutally canadian stuff just just to keep people you're huh. so people to look at okay so like a much more active version of slow tv because mm. we've been well, we've been getting a bit of that going on recently at work with uh with a a big screen on the wall where we've got like a a two-hour video in which somebody basically had a drone and a camera that they attached to a sleigh being drawn by reindeer through lapland nice or the 10 hour video of a camera sitting in the cab of a train that is going from Oslo to Bergen, this kind of thing. Very cool. Very cool. What would be, I mean, if uh, to, to really up the AV game, if you insert, if you, if you gave the like thematic sort of um, things sort of to match what the mood was, um, or you just drop just slides in there occasionally, um, no, just informing them you're watching a thing about such and such being being wanted for murder or or something it's like oh oh okay <laughs> so you could drop that sort of sort of information into the uh into the the crowd as well maybe but mm. uh, maybe the um maybe the announcements would be would be fine the idea that uh, being a modern game and having the in-flight entertainment system and the wi-fi just balked would be a good reason for people to be slowly losing their shit. That that would be that would be an interesting one to do. Yeah, mm. I do like the idea of it as a lap. And and your suggestion about the idea of finding a a, a, cor- a corridor that ends in a um like the one that that dead ends on a fire escape or something, provided you could do this without you know uh, trapping killing people. Oh yeah, you need to need to do it as a you know in a fire marshal approved manner, as it were. Mm. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I do like the idea. And I had completely forgotten about just the Tempest. Hmm. So that's my barely workable idea. 
It's, I think it, it's got some links to it. I mean, if, if I was going to do it, we're going to try to come up with a way of doing it in a, a round-the-table game, I would probably take a look at something like Zombie World, um, because it has the whole thing of bits about the character that are hidden at the start of the game mm, and yep. relationships relationships between characters which are only known to those two characters. Mm. Uh, you'd have to set it up a bit, but mm. no, and I, I I really like I, well the one the one game of uh, zombie cinema that I played went really well and I enjoyed my character's heroic demise in the face of the zombie hordes. The automotive zombie hordes. I mean, we took liberties with some of it, but yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Excellent. I'm glad my fever-addled mind came up with something vaguely intriguing. So, you said you had an idea and maybe a fragment? Yes, an idea and a half. And that's not me saying it's a really awesome idea. It's it's literal. Oh, go on. Upsell it. We've already... We're... This one is regrettably similar to a bit from... Is it Jupiter Ascending or Jupiter Rising? The um, the, the I think Jupiter film? Ascending. I've not seen it. I've heard people talk about bees knowing royalty and it being a very strange film. It is a very strange film. It's actually quite good. I quite I quite enjoyed it. I and there is there are some slightly ridiculous elements which I think some people oh, yeah. didn't quite grok. That's fair. I, I know a bunch of people who used it as a vehicle for mocking I think, Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum, but I thought they did fine in it. Yeah. Sean Bean's in it and doesn't die. What the hell? Oh, spoilers. <laughs> that sounds like it means it's come from an alternate reality and somehow is... Uh... It should, should, be, um, should not be trusted except for the beats. Uh, so anyway, so te- yeah, Tempest Red Eye, well, basically what that put me immediately in mind of is the Great Red Spot on Jupiter. Ooh, a storm, which is a red eye. Yeah, Indeed. nice, nice. This is, this is the level of intelligence you're dealing with here, people. Get used to it. Oh, wait, you already are. <laughs> um, and so this has necessitated me doing rather more Wikipedia Wikipedia research on Jupiter than perhaps anybody should. And so the idea is this, that you've got effectively a cloud mining operation mm-hmm. on Jupiter. Similar to, but presumably somewhat less high-tech than the Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back. But you've got effectively a drilling rig that is using the comparatively calm and comparatively stable eye of the Great Red Spot. Yeah. um, As a place to park a balloon, Mm -hmm. like probably quite a large balloon. and Several redundant balloons we'll go with. Indeed. um, And sort of lower... A, well, effectively a drill, but basically it's a tube mm. into the atmosphere in order to hoover up useful things. So it's a very long tube. Indeed, we're dealing with relative pressures here. So uh, I, at, this, at this point, I couldn't guess whether the balloons are filled with like vacuum or liquid or, or mercury. It could be, depending on what height you are, it could be they, they both could be options. If it's if, if the balloon is tough enough, and under those circumstances, it's going to have to be tough enough. Yeah. Probably you can just have it filled with air, and you're fine. What, what it, or whatever counts for air that yeah. you can get on, you can get hold of easily. Oxygen <laughs> by itself would yeah. Nitrogen would be good old, good old reliable. Gotta say. 
And so, yeah, so you've got this thing and the sort of the, 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 the drilling rig, as it were, is, is the balloon and the stuff underneath the balloon. And they sort of, they extract probably hydrogen in enormous quantities. Or they're, or they're, they're particularly looking for um, isotopes of hydrogen. Yeah. And, and other, other, good, other good shit. Yeah, the various the various shit that one can get out of out of um, Jovian atmosphere. Possibly there's a certain amount of scientific stuff to it. Whatever. Hmm. In any case, they have lost contact with the drill head, which realistically is actually this kind of fractional distillation structure at the other end of the the, the very very long pipe. Yeah. And so somebody needs to go down there and see what's gone wrong, because the other option is trying to retract thousands of kilometers of tubing which at very least is going to take a long time and you're going to have to figure out where to put it all and so flight in this case is probably less less flight in the flappy flappy sense and more in the we are in an elevator cage going down a seemingly infinite um cable in the middle of a storm Mm. and so i mean you've got shades of the abyss here Mm -hmm. obviously yeah and yeah, maybe it's just a breakdown, which would be a bit boring. Or maybe, unbeknownst to everybody, there is something that actually lives in the metallic hydrogen layer of Jupiter's lower atmosphere, mm. and it objects to what you're doing, because you're basically coming here and nicking its stuff. It, it, it's precisely the same as a, you know, a, a bizarre spaceship throwing a tube and starting, just starting without commentary just hoovering up the the earth's oceans and i i believe that was the entire plot of the miniseries v yes and if you were hoovering up the atmosphere well that is literally what happens in space balls yes so good basic science fiction props i guess both v and space balls also had slightly more nazis but that is true that is true well space space balls it was there were they they were the they were Spoofing Star Wars, which was spoofing Nazis. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still Mel Brooks. True, it was Mel Brooks. It's, of course, it's he Mel was. Brooks taking the piss of Nazis. It's just they happen to be space Nazis. Just happen to be space Nazis. Yeah, um, or possibly maybe that drill head bit is actually manned, and mm. it's less a case. Yeah, it's not really a case that oh things have broken down. It's just nobody's responding anymore. The distillates and everything is still coming up, but nobody's talking. What's going on down there which is a concern indeed and so it would basically be just the the creepy ass what the hell are we going into vibe mm-hmm. system wise eclipse phase kind of feels like it might be a good good fit um or maybe shock which i don't know too much about but sounds like it could be depending on the the, the vibe of the game because one of the things i thought of when you described the um the drill head was the idea that you know, you, you've basically, and, and I looked, I, I saw a website earlier today, which was basically a um, a scrollable descent through the layers of the ocean down to like the deep, down to Challenger Deep, and what sort of animals you could find at various things and the deepest diving depths for various creatures. You know, the fact that the narwhal could dive, you know, just shy of two kilometers underwater. Um, 15 times a day sort of thing to look for food. It's like, oof, give it up for the narwhal. That's that's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of, and it's, and one of the things that somebody, the, the link I saw on Twitter was, oh, hey, narwhals, uh, why does this plastic bag have fangs and a contempt for all life? 
because the thing step from from the um, the midnight zone, which is like not even halfway down the page, it's like things start getting very weird. Yes, vampire squids and blob. Oh, the vampire squid. The goblin shark. Yes, yes. And there's some things that do these the, the, those return journeys fairly frequently. But what I was thinking of, you described the drill head as possibly being this absurdly complicated piece of machinery that, as you say, either it's being run by people or possibly it runs itself and is actually smart, possibly smarter given that it's had to deal with these conditions and so forth than its operators are aware. And maybe it's making friends. You might end up in the situation where your technology is being talked to by the native inhabitants. And instead of the good old, hey-ho, it's colonizing we go, the locals have gone, wow, this is incredible. I wonder if it wants to be friends. And they've started a conversation. There are no protocols for the equipment at the other end to tell you, hey, I've gained sentient and I'm I'm, um, striking up a, a chord with the gas-based alien life forms here. I, it's like, oh, you want me to produce hydrogen-3 production or something like that? And it's like, okay, uh, we'll do this. It's like, And then they're basically, they've, they've set up an economy. They're, they've set up an economy and cultural exchange. And these people from the surface roll down and go, oh. What's the actual hell? This is more complicated than we were anticipating by several degrees of magnitude. Because Jupiter is an F-off big place. That is that is such a ridiculous understatement that and we haven't even re- figured out how to reliably go to the depth of the ocean on our planet. Yes, I mean there's only there's only a guess as to what the inter- the uh, the interior of uh, of Jupiter is like, but they're reasonably confident that the, the, there's this enormous amount of metallic hydrogen wrapped around it mm. at multiple gigapascals of temp- of of pressure. It's going to be novel for, for humans, that's for sure. Yes, something I hadn't realised is that the, uh, unlike every other planet, the point about which the Sun and Jupiter rotate is actually not inside the Sun. Yeah, that doesn't entirely shock me. But it's, it's, a, it's a couple of percentage points of the mass of the solar system. It, it's, you'd notice if it went missing. Yeah, the, the, the comment was the solar system consists of the sun, Jupiter, and assorted debris. Yeah, so there there could be a lot going on, and the humans may have uh, underestimated the complexity of the situation. And that could be interesting, the idea that they're like, oh, we were kind of invading and exploiting, and we can't really continue to do that because, well, the, our means of doing that has made friends before we could even get involved. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's all good. That, that could be an interesting take. Just a, as a, um, if you don't want to go for the horror angle, which you totally could, it's up to you, the idea that you are starting a accidentally bootstrapped artificial intelligence talking to what you would consider extremophile sentient species, but it's actually, you know, this 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 is the um, this is a sunny <laughs> a sunny grassy park as far as they're concerned. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. That's that's like a, a really interesting jumping off point for yeah jumping off. That's the other way to get to the uh, <laughs> the other way to get the drill head. Maybe the, the 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 enterprise for which these folks work 
are shitheads. Really, 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 like, not great at all. Maybe these folks I, have I mean, been... they're a resource extraction company who do not historically have the greatest record. I know. What are the chances? Yeah, yeah. And the Maybe the, the, the players are just, like, carabiner to a to a line falling into the atmosphere to to with without you know like a a 100 percent solid plan to get back up but you know it's like oh yeah sure go and look at your 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 you're down on your quotas go and look at the drill head and sort it out and you know you could you could start a uh a fairly revolutionary give it give it more of a uh imagine alien if Instead of exploding up someone's insides, the xenomorph was suddenly really interested in marks. Hey. It would still be kind of terrifying in its own way. But. I'm just imagining it wearing a, a, um, a sort of a, a newsboy's hat or a flat hat. Mm. The idea that the terrifying um, paradigm-breaking threat is that this 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 creature with completely alternate um, biology and and and, um, and forms possibly of, physics, if possibly physics, um, happens to like like yeah, agree on the, the idea of the uh, being alienated from your labor or something. He's like, oh no, that's that's a fundamental universal principle. <laughs> that would that would be interesting. So yeah, that would be that would be, that would be kind of cool. That, 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 sorry, if you wanted to go away from the horror. Which would be ah scary bad things down in space. Um, you that was that would be one way maybe of approaching it. Yeah, if I was if I was going to go with the scary scary bad things down in space, I would probably go with the it's a manned um, drill head, mm. and something that they never knew was out there has gotten in and has gotten into the people and is driving them around as it were. So you could go with the thing. Mm. I mean, depending on how you do it. You potentially have the um, circumstance that they get down there, the drill head is completely fucked. Mm. Clearly, these people have been killing each other. It's a little bit of interesting, but cool. Um, I, I was thinking, kind of, you know, what happens if you arrived uh, on the set of the thing like a couple of days after the event? Yeah. And you've just got the, okay, these people murdered each other with flamethrowers and shotguns and axes. And then two of them sat outside and froze to death. Yeah, and the, and and everything that they've done, yeah, we're finding evidences of of like horrifying mutation and other things that really don't encourage us to thaw anything out. Mm. Mm. Yep, I mean you're you're playing Dead Space pretty much at that point, uh, depending yeah. on the the scale of the the the, the drill head itself, um, and the the objectives of the players. Um, I do like the very weird first contact approach, though. That's that's quite fun. I mean, we've seen a lot of space gribble horror stories, and you either end up with the, the overconfident military um, response, the George Powell War of the Worlds and things like that, and you know, War of the Worlds in general, um, having it be the idea of, of coming in and kind of being the third wheel in this slightly baffling uh, first contact thing. It was like, oh, no, this isn't first contact. We accidentally sent our... This is like having our Roomba make first contact. And the, the Roomba seems to feel it's got more in, co more in common with the um, the carpetoid people of, of Living Room 6. And so it's kind of a struggle to actually... It's like, oh, 
we we screwed up and we are confronted with the opportunity to screw up even harder maybe it's like a last best hope kind of thing it's like oh it might it might be the this, this situation that living on jupiter taking observations of the world outside of jupiter is just really difficult to do because the scale of the 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 place the, the 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 layers of which the atmosphere that you would you would live it's very much like that in, in, in its own enclosed world and it's harder to measure the effects of things from the outside because jupiter is just such um it's an electromagnetic shit storm it's you know as as it's it, there's a there's a lot going on. Maybe they're figuring out there's stuff out there, but it's really quite hard to see. Um, it doesn't have they don't have the benefit of actually go oh, look. There's a, somebody put pictures in the sky. Neat. We can use them for navigation and telling stories. And then somebody lowers this weird thing. Yeah, this is this is a bit like looking at the constellation. Look at the constellations, and you know having to, to relatively developed. Look at the constellations. Like, yes, we understand what those things are. They're the stars. They're, they're, we have stories about them. And then seeing someone change like a, a panel and it, it drops something in, it's like, oh, okay, we really didn't have a clue. Yeah, but we we had no idea what was going on. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it could be. I think it could be the idea of like extending the working class schlubs on a spaceship thing even further. Like the, the way the alien starts with you know them getting basically fed to a horrible monster by the corporation. Mm. Maybe taking that a bit further, maybe like just dispensing with the, oh yes, the, the, the slathering silicon life form with the concentrated molecular acid for blood isn't actually the bad person. Mm. I think that would be it's, interesting. Yeah. It's the one who's asking awkward questions of, and so you're working for these people. Why exactly? Yeah. Have you thought of not? <laughs> yes. Have you tried not being an indentured servant? Yes. It's like, hmm. So about seizing the means of production. Yes. <laughs> that would be intriguing. I mean, maybe it's your your um, your your kickoff to the fully automated luxury space communism uh, adventure. But mm. yeah, yeah, and and I like that. I mean, this the setting and the mystery does. I mean, it provoked a particular thing for me. But the idea that you know it would be a legitimately spooky experience, I would definitely build in the descent part of it. Maybe maybe it's the section where you where you ref, where you have a couple of hiccups and so forth. Maybe it's a transfer point, but people get to do stuff, and um, the stuff that they they do tells us more about the situation rather than rather than than walking around and being people at on the surface that like okay you've been chucked in the elevator or kicked off the edge of the platform. It's going to be like a day of not free fall, but actually pretty close to free fall before any, anything else is going to happen. There are some things that will happen along the way, but you're you get to inform that. That would be that would be intriguing. And then you could break that up as a, a decompression mechanic kind of thing. And regardless of whether you're you're going with um, Xenomorph Kropotkin or whatever at the bottom of it, or um, your good old fashioned murderous brain parasites or something. Mm. You could still build up the, the the circumstances and the tension in that way. I like it. Yeah. No idea how we're going to describe that in the uh, top of the post, though. That's going to be very confusing. Yeah, that's going to be a bit weird. Yeah. Okay. So, what was that? Was a, that was? That, don't tell me that was your half an idea. No, no, that was the, that was the full idea. Oh, good. The the half an idea is is a a, a play on words a bit. So instead of tempest red eye flight being tempest dead eye flight.
Mm-hmm. I, basically, what I've got is a setting which is weirdly similar to your idea, but with a very different background. Mm-hmm. As part of our backstory, the zombie apocalypse happened. Uh, it was contained. It was geographically contained at some cost, but you know the geographical containment was effectively a landmass, right. like say North America, as it traditionally portrayed. Indeed, and it could it could be wherever, but you know, I mean, Australia. Eh, there's not really that many people. Um, it, it would would it technically get that much that, that much worse? Yeah, I, I, I don't like the chances of the the aforementioned zombies. So North America or somewhere where you could conceivably have built a border and have it worked. Yeah, well, I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah the zombie apocalypse occurs and is contained to a very large area, and then in a kind of a similar situation to the setup in Warm Bodies, the zombies start to wake up again. Mm. They're still dead, but they start to remember who they are and remember how to do things other than shamble. Mm. And they start rebuilding because, okay, they're dead, but they're still people. And they still kind of want to do people things. They still have dreams and goals, etc. Yeah. And so now what you've got is a quarantined continent of zombies with a somewhat functional society going on and some fairly uneasy relations with the rest of the world. Um, so that's that's your setup. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the idea of the um, the, 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 the Tempest Deadeye flight is basically, I just kind of liked the idea of a plane that is flying in the wee small hours and there is one living human being on it and everybody else is on Interesting. Maybe they, oh, okay, so who are the players in that one? Well, I mean, in this case, you'd expand it a little bit and going, go, you, know, you either have, and you can, you can flip it around, but effectively, I think what you've got is you do, you've got, you've, you've got a plane that for either for reasons of like an actual physical tempest has been forced to land in the quarantine zone. And now there is that whole situation of, okay, how, what do we do now? How the, how the, how the hell do we get out? Or the Tempest is perhaps of a more, and this is perhaps where it gets more interesting, is of a more geopolitical nature. You've got a group of living, yeah, either a group of sort of living diplomats, negotiators, whatever, going to meet with whatever the hell is the, the, the government in the quarantine zone. Maybe there is, it's a conference or something, or this is like the first public attempt to um, set up cordial relations, but there are forces on both sides that don't want it to happen kind of thing. And basically, if, you, if, if you're not tapping into East-West Cold War paranoia, why are you even bothering? That, that is true. Because yeah, there will be people working, uh, sort of working on the theory of, no, what we should be doing is nuking the shit out of that continent. Maybe that's how they um, established the quarantine, and it's proven not to be the best plan anyone ever had. Ah, uh, yes. A, a series of, of very large surface detonations along the Panama Canal to widen it a bit. Um, <laughs> it's like, as far as we know that you killed no zombies, there are some mildly radioactive zombies, and you fucked up Panama. Like I said, it's half an idea, because I've kind of got the setup, but I'm not quite sure... 
where it goes. I just liked either the idea of a plane flying through a storm where there's this small group of people who are the only breathing things on that plane. Hmm. I would I would go follow your instincts about the Cold War thing. Go straight for a a seventies style airplane disaster kind of thing, but but maybe with a bit more but the bit more of the technology and the pizzazz of some of the like nineties and aughts. Uh, the one where Harrison Ford was the president or something like that. Oh, Air Force One. Yeah, something like something like that. But the same sort of tense thriller set on the airplane, and the the idea that there are there are at least to there are there are opponents to the, the this this peace process even starting i mean have some care with the various um long-running international disputes about we don't like them they should die now because there's a few of those i like the idea but you're making a sort of like a tense standoff with people with different agendas but mostly they want this for for either their own um their own advancement or, you know, ideals or just to save as many people as possible. They want these things to go through and they're trying to root out the, um, those folks that are opposing the process. And possibly you have a mixed living and dead party. Yep. And enough interconnected trust to say, okay, I don't know those two, but I know this person that would, 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 defend me with their lives and they trust them. So there's always, there's always like, there's always someone in the party you, you're, you're, you're maybe trusting by two, maybe three steps of, of, of removal, but the rest, you know, you're pretty confident about. Cause I mean, the ideal circumstance would be when, when this team trying to, and they're possibly not the core negotiating team. Mm. You know, they might be responsible for one small bit of things when they realize that, each side of it realizes that they're getting played by their own people. Yeah, or yeah, the, or the maybe the the they are the they are the intermediaries, and and they're very good at these jobs of making sure that this thing comes off um, seamlessly. So they've been working together really closely to do this, and they're all very invested, or at least they've been they have been working towards getting this to come off perfectly. And they're starting to realize that maybe that's not the point as far as everyone else is concerned. And maybe they're going to drag the world kicking and screaming into um, love, peace and understanding because that's what the plan says. We've got the memorandum of agreement. It was signed. It was dated. We all shook hands and had champagne afterwards. That's what's happening. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, partially because it's their, their, their professional pride their personal survival and their their ideals for a better place is what is what it's what's writing it might and also the fate of the world but mostly they'd set this up if anyone's going to uh, and they're damned if anyone would ruin it yeah um a couple of inspirations that uh you might not come across i zombie has a five or six season comedy action horror thing with Zombies being a pretty, being slowly integrated, first being a a a, 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 a sneaky menace, mm. and the protagonist trying to find out who the other zombies were because they they seem to would be much less ethical um, and not have access to a mortuary's worth of of brains and have the superpower to detect to to see people's um, memories if they their brains and use them to try and solve their murders. Pretty fun. But eventually, 
though though unlike that particular um, zombie, uh, all of the other ones can figure out spray tech. I think it's more of a stylistic thing, but yeah. it's, because I mean the the the, the main characters. Um, it's full of little touches like the main character's name being Liv Moore or Olivia Moore. Um, yes. And the um, the PMC that gets involved is called Fillmore Graves. Yeah. It's not entirely serious, and sometimes you've got to you got to go with it. It's pretty it's pretty entertaining. I don't think I was with you. There's a much there's more recent one, another Netflix thing called um, Daylight, mm-hmm. and it is completely and utterly self aware. Ferris Bueller plays Fallout. Okay. Um, set in uh, Los Angeles, one of the non-sobers, I've forgotten the specific name, but uh, the survivors of some bizarre terrorist missile strike, which appears to have been global, um, are all teenagers. They are playing Mad Max version of high school cliques, you know, the jocks and... Um, and then the 4-H club, which is like an ecological thing and all sorts of other bizarre names. It has just gone full fallout um, while while all the adults have been t- turned into what they call ghoulies who just sort of shamble around repeating the last thought that they had. Um, with the exception of a, a couple of their teachers, which seem to either be trying to fight the impulse to eat people's brains or possibly reveling in it a bit too much. And it is ultra self-aware it is very very on point and cool excellent yeah yeah so that and so it's got this that those are both quite comic versions this one could be a relatively more um serious sort of uh espionage thriller but again maybe taken from the the the, rather than the like oh the the thing is under threat i we will kick open doors and shoot people in the head it's like that's not actually our forte Sure, it might come to that, but what we do is is set up meetings and arrange conferences and so forth. Or maybe maybe we're going to be pushed out of our comfort zone to do something very specific. But maybe rather than having that reactive kind of, all right, we have switched on to, to full-on fuck shit up espionage mode, it is like, right, who is the problem? Who is causing this to, to be an issue? How can we isolate them? How can we get the people we know are more reasonable together? Kind of thing. I, I had a thought while you were talking. It's a terrible thought, but that Excellent. should surprise nobody. No, no, not at all. I've not seen the movie. I only read the book of the movie, One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. Okay. And the whole, it, it's sort of, you're, you're very much your Disney, uh, well, you're sort of your, your weird adventure kind of, uh, weird sort of conspiracy espionage thing where a group of nannies conspire to steal an entire dinosaur skeleton from a museum because some secret uh, documentation is hidden on it somewhere. Oh. It's that kind of wacky hijinks sort of of thing. And also, if you stole a particular part of the dinosaur, people would know something is up. If you steal the whole dinosaur, they think you just stole a dinosaur. Well, also because they don't know which bit of the dinosaur the Microsoft the microdots in. Yes, of course. <laughs> I cannot actually remember from the the book whether the microdot was even in the dinosaur at all. That's that, at that point. That's hardly relevant, is it? I was basically imagining taking that slightly wacky comedy hijinks approach to that scenario. So you've got this very tense summit between the living and the dead. You've got this small negotiation facilitation team. Of, of you know, sort of working between the two groups, 
then perhaps there is some sort of bonding exercise, like they've gone to a burger bar and neither of them is looking particularly closely at what the other guys are eating. And then sort of somebody staggers in with a cartoonishly large dagger in their back, croaks out a um, easily misinterpreted warning and dies, imploring them that they must solve the situation and they can only trust each other, trust no one, Ech! and sort of you know, collapses in the middle of the tempura uh, shrimp. <coughs> this kind of thing. Okay. I'm not sure how we suddenly ended up at one of those yakitori restaurants. That's just what's happening. Run with it. That's fine. So if you, yeah, if you wanted to play it for laughs, I think that's how I would play it for laughs. So still keep the the Cold War paranoia and that sort of thing, but do it in a way so it's like, yeah, sure, your characters are negotiators and everything. You you have no out and out combat skills or whatever. On the other hand, two of you are functionally unkillable. Hmm. Yeah, the other two of you can operate heart rate scanners. There's probably other advantages to like breathing and so forth. I mean, they, they, they'd be put them on if on an even footing. Yeah, the other two can pass a breathalyzer or indeed swim, like float. A real boat. So yeah, that, that that is if you didn't want to go with the the sort of the hardcore um, Cold War seriousness, go with hard hardcore Cold War silliness. That's true. Yeah. Cool. All right, that was that was that was pretty good for half an idea. Well done. Thank you. Alrighty. So now to dip into the the bucket of glorious audience content, John Rea, um, responding to the big red couch surfing episode, says, "Thanks for digging into my idea and expanding it." You're welcome, John. It was a really interesting idea. That that was the the the, the weird game that shifts you between universes, effectively. Yeah, alternate flatmate cascade. Yeah. It's Sliders Edition. One thing I th- thought of is that about three or four sessions in, the PCs have lost their jobs because while similar, not enough not enough for four or five different successions of alternative versions yourself to do it successfully. Good call, John. I, uh, week to week, I'm not sure what my job is currently. So, Also, there's a world where the, there's the world you appear in where there is a stranger in your apartment. And they introduce themselves in the agent of the government, and they know who who and what you are, and they need your help. Yep, that's possible. Some somebody's it's like ah, oh, you're you're pandemensual travellers. We know about pandemensual travellers. Can you do a thing for us and then vanish? Because you're good at that. Craig responded. The idea of other people finding out about the couch game is interesting. Government agents are one thing, but I found myself wondering. What happens when somebody less official and more criminal wants a ride to an alternate reality and won't take no for an answer? I'm hijacking this couch to Libya? I mean, I can imagine the circumstance where somebody in that chain had some shady connections, possibly made some poor decisions, possibly just blabbed to the wrong people, and then suddenly Big Tony, who was wanted for quite a lot of racketeering actually turns up and really, really wants a ride to the dimension next door where Big Tony is not wanted for racketeering and won't take no for an answer. And also might be in the mid- middle of displacing regular-sized Tony from the couch. Indeed. It depends on how personal you want to make it. No, that's a, those are worthy additions. And also, Taz responded to our Irritable Geography episode from last time. When I originally thought of the topic, I was thinking of things like Hell rides in uh, the Amber Chronicles and the haunted space stations of Machine Zeit. But after hearing about long-lived Earth spirits, I think a hack of microscope might be interesting. 
The players are spirits that in turn inhabit people that try and change the course of humanity. The hack part coming in in the form of how the bookends are formed. I'd want something more linear and play to find out, but that could also embrace a longer time span that these spirits use to see the world. For a more traditional pitch, I'd go with FAE, Fate Accelerated, and approaches like Force of Nature and Ageless Wisdom. And uh, I had responded to that with, uh, well, first of all, oh, I'd completely forgotten about Microscope. Hmm. Because, yeah, the idea of ageless spirits of the land guiding things is is quite a solid fit for Microscope. Yeah, for the more traditional approach bit, the idea of, um, and, and indeed linking back to things like the Haunted Space Station, uh, so I'd commented, the idea of irritable urban geography, particularly if it's high tech, is fun. I have a dim memory of a long-running bit in the comic 2000 AD, where what were essentially morality plays happened on the non-existent 13th floor of an AI-run apartment building. Mm. Yes, it was virtually like the Crypt Keeper, but it was a talking lift or something. Yeah, and so you get, like... Somebody who ran a tenement basically just gets trapped on the floor forever, and it's always you know it's it's run down. I mean, the floor is basically whatever is required for uh, Twilight Zone-esque um, uh, morality play. What goes around comes around, kind of story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, actually, the I, I embarrassingly enough, given my alleged profession, had completely forgotten about the notion of urban geography and the geography of the built environment mm. because the you know, irritable geography could equally be a cranky artificially intelligent system running a skyscraper or arcology or space station or multiple cranky systems running these things. Oh, you mean Sayer? Yes, but without the creepy <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that option, and uh, it's quite a fun one. Thank you, Taz. Thank you, John. A... Indeed, thank you very much. Ooh. All right, so I guess it is uh, sackcloth and ashes. Sorry, hair. Sorry, hair shirt time for Craig. Indeed, for for me, because um, the the you know, for for about the last week, I've had this nagging thought in my head of. I'm sure there was something I was supposed to do, but I can't remember what it was. And then just like an hour or so before recording, I remembered what the thing I'd forgotten to do was. And that thing was post the damn poll for the next episode. Which is hilarious since there is an election imminent in like five days where you are. So uh... I I choose to claim that I was I was um, distracted by my... Uh, Ernest, I got nothing here. I'm, <laughs> Maybe your uh, your democracy gland was was oversaturated. Well, I mean either, that seems reasonable, though it, that happening in this particular district is is perhaps um, unlikely, pointless. Well, it this is a district where the Conservative and Unionist Party of the United Kingdom. It, effectively, it has been a stronghold of those guys since before they existed. I think the last time when I looked at the numbers, if every other candidate pulled their votes, the incumbent still would have won. Mm. So it's one of these um, 
uh, areas where it doesn't matter which way you vote, your vote is literally meaningless. Well, may, maybe the a system of proportional representation may be considered by the next government, provided there is a sudden change of government. I heard hopeful noises that young people may be registering vote in record numbers, but still, that's going to take uh, a, a lot to have an effect. It, it it will indeed. It will it will take a bunch. I mean, currently the well, the various um, candidates include the publican of one of the local pubs, who probably stands a solid chance of coming in second, getting involved at the very least. Yeah, it's, it's very grassroots. It's quite fun. Um, it's not often you can uh, you sort of look at the political hustings, hustings, hustings and say, I know them. They sold me a beer once. Fair enough. So, yes, basically, long story short, though this wasn't actually particularly short, I forgot to post the poll. Uh, so what's going to happen is I will post the poll this evening. Uh, hopefully people notice and vote on it. And... The next episode, um, episode 135, which will drop in the wee early days of um, 2020, uh, will be a delightfully surpri- delightful surprise, not only to you, but also well, to us. Well, not at the time, but when when the uh, when we start the next episode, we'll confirm what that episode title is. Though I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, propose that. There was something that that there was something I meant to do, but I've completely forgotten what it was. Is one of the options. So we're basically having a five a, a five item split this time around. Uh, we may drop one of the the older, less um, less favoured ones for this new um, exciting and Craig blaming option. Yes, indeed. And li- we're talking about lived experiences here. We're 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 being we're we're going to where this podcast has. It's best features. Chaos, mayhem, and disorganization. Well, they are at least characteristic. Let's go with that. That's fair. That's fair. Awesome. So, await with bated breath the mystery um, episode for 135. So, when we have gotten our shit together, don't, don't hold your breath or anything, folks, People will enjoy voting between such um, wonderful options as malevolent immediacy. Power drift. Things are going down in Disney Town. And I knew there was something I was supposed to do, but I can't remember what it was. Look forward to that. And uh, get your votes in early and often, as we like to say around here. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the uh, the the episode. If you and have, tell your friends. If you haven't, don't tell your friends you didn't enjoy it. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and wishing a merry solstice season, however you choose to uh, engage in it, whatever temperature it happens to be locally, for all of our listeners and their family and friends. Yes, reminding you that no matter your approach to the holiday season, whether it's full ball Christmas, full ball Grinch, something in the middle, there is nothing to stop you from drinking hot chocolate until you throw up. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? 
Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.